You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. Hey y'all, I'm Mella Borowski and you're listening to Bell Book and Candle. Welcome. Our guest today is the mother of three boys and author of a children's book series that honors so many of the American holidays and celebrations that kids love. It's called Celebrate the Holidays, and it was created by Maria Felicia Kelly with inspiration from her son, Constantine, and they are geared towards pre-K to sixth grade children. Today, we're going to talk specifically about her book, October 31. Y'all know what that holiday is, right? Maria wrote her first short story at age nine, y'all, and her stories and illustrations were the dreams that guided her creative passions. It is the perfect time of year to talk about October 31. So welcome to the podcast, Maria. Hi there. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I absolutely loved reading your inspiration and the information that you sent me about the book series and about Constantine. So what was it about Constantine that inspired you to develop this series of books? Well, Constantine has a a wild imagination and he's had that imagination since he was a little guy. And he would always tell me sweet stories and try to, to scare me at any given point of the year uh, with Halloween stories. And those (laughs) stories would lead to questions about, mommy, when is Halloween coming? And I'd have to say, you know, not for a while, thinking if he asked me in March and, you know, it's on the (laughs) other side of the calendar. And I'm like, how do I describe this to a kid who doesn't have a concept of what a calendar is yet? It was kind of that idea and also trying to capitalize on an opportunity to promote dialogue with him. Um, He was diagnosed with trisomy 21 as an infant, you know, was right after birth. And it, uh, so he had uh, some language uh, and still does have has some language delays. So I really felt early on as he was developing language, even though he spoke his first word, you know, pretty typically at at about a year old, um, I had him on a reading program. It sounds crazy, but when he was two weeks old and he actually was reading by the time he was six months, if that sounds nuts, I mean, he was being able, he was able to identify words. So I'm a writer, obviously by trade and profession and education. And I've just always wanted to capitalize on trying to help him work through, you know, bringing out language out of him. And um, I felt like capitalizing on his his curiosity and his creativity with the stories he was kind of putting out there for me to enjoy. I thought, wow, wouldn't it be a great idea to write a Halloween story for him about him kind of all wrapped around what he comes to the table with. And that's where the Halloween story came from. And then as I'm writing that, I'm like, you know what, this is translatable to really any holiday specific, date specific holiday. And I say date specific, meaning that they occur on the same day each year. So a holiday like Thanksgiving, under my formula would be a little bit more challenging to create. Mm -hmm. However, I I will be working on that in some shape or form. But 
holidays like Valentine's Day that occurs on February 14. That's a good, you know, those those are good ones. Fourth of July, Independence Day, another good one. So I I love that idea of being able to again back to letting him know that in March <laughs> Halloween is not until October. So right. let's let's title the books, you know, with the actual date on the calendar of that great day. And then uh, at some point knowing he'll be able to wrap the two together and say, oh yeah, that's what we were talking about in the story, October 31. That's the date on the calendar. So that's how that happened. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. And you donate part of your proceeds from your books to a charity? I do. We do. So um, each book that's purchased triggers a, you know, from the proceeds, triggers a, a donation to uh, organizations that seek to improve the lives of children diagnosed with trisomy 21, also known as Down syndrome. So yeah, that's that's a very big passion. I could get into my whole concept of, you know, educating kids mm-hmm. who are thought to have so-called limitations. And mm-hmm. um, that's a big topic uh, with mm-hmm. around the household between my husband and I. I bet. So because we just recognize the ability in so many kids and obviously in our own son, you know, if we've discovered along the way, if we had left it up to so-called professionals to, uh, there was a, a physical therapist that comes to mind when he was a toddler and we were in her little gym area and, you know, she had obviously great intentions, but the group thought was and still is in many cases, you know, their limitations. Everybody has a limitation. I have limitations. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, everyone does. If we if we seek to look at a kid's limitations, then of course you're going to find them. However, if we were in this physical therapist gym and I remember sitting on the mat, sitting on the floor, I think it, right after a session and he was a little toddler and little guy. And she's like, well, you know, he's not going to be a rocket scientist or anything as if to say, Mm. you know, don't worry about, you know, him not being able to do X, Y, or Z because his, his projection, his, his uh, abilities down the road are going to be limited anyway. You know that, right? So Mm. needless to say, (laughs) we (laughs) stopped sessions with her. It just, it was just one of those even in the hospital before we brought him home, there were just like warnings about, oh, you know, you're going to have to do this. You need to be prepared for that, which is constructive to a certain extent. However, it also shuts the door. It could. I mean, it didn't for us because we knew better, but it could shut the door on a parent's, you know, ability to really work with their kid. And instead of just like locking them up somewhere and saying, hey, sorry, this is all you're going to be able to do. Right. So that, that was just really part of the, the whole thrust of where we were coming from. Mm. And Constantine's artwork is included in the book, correct? It is. So we wrapped that around. Um, so I have a designated illustrator who was fabulous. Her name is Pratima Sarkar. Her illustrations, I can't say enough good things about them. They're very colorful and just inspirational. Um, they really engage with the text that, that's on the page. But yes, I wanted to incorporate, because he's very, he's very actually talented. Um, and I find this might be helpful to listeners who have kids, but these uh, uh, drawing videos that are out there, we discovered these during COVID, but mm. he really connects with those and he can you know we can pause and he can craft whatever line he needs to draw at a given moment and then 
you know, press play again and have him back into drawing. And it really, he comes out with these fabulous looking pieces of art. And he actually just came home from school with a zombie face. And I'm like, wow. what? I actually texted his teacher. I'm like, did he do, how did he do this? Did he just pull it out of his head? And she said, well, no, we used the, basically the, the drawing video, but I mean, it's still incredible. Um, so yes. Yeah, so what I tried to do, and I, this was actually a suggestion from my husband, because when we were talking about the concept of the book and I said, I wanted to have Constantine contribute his artwork. He says, why don't you just have him do, you know, a different piece of art uh, related to the holiday. So Halloween might have a witch or a, a pumpkin or a, a ghost and have him draw that and let that be kind of the background of a page number. And I'm like, oh, that's an interesting idea. So I, I threw that past um, my book designer. She liked it, but she said, why don't we just do, why don't we just settle on one particular image that you think is representative of whatever given holiday? So Valentine's Day would be a heart. And in this case, Halloween would be a pumpkin. So he draw, he drew a pumpkin, colored it. And then, you know, I shot it off to my book designer. And so it's on every page that has a page number on it. It has a, a drawing or his, his illustration behind the page number. So I thought that was a really fun way to make him really have a hands-on part with each title. And I saw that picture of the pumpkin and it is incredible. Isn't it? I know. I thought so too. And he, the heart, if you take a look at my website, you'll see the heart for Valentine's Day because that was the first book that we published this year. Mm -hmm. Same story. And we're in the midst of the the Christmas title. I'm sorry, I'm probably jumping ahead. You probably have questions about this. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> the, the Christmas title um, was going to come out this year, but because of illustrator delays and what have you, we're gonna we're holding it off until 2022. But okay. he's in the process of doing the Christmas tree for that. Again, they're just like they're just works of art. So I'm saving the originals, and obviously the intention is to have them mounted and framed. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's oh, that's gonna part. be super cool. Thank you. And you have been writing since you were nine years old. Correct. I know as a child. I would dream and draw what I wanted for the future. So were your dreams in your stories as well? They were. And that brings me back to a memory. I still have this, this image in my head and I can see the toy chest where it last lived. And my parents, oh, my dad's not around anymore, but my, my mom has since moved from the house where that toy chest lived. And I know she has storage somewhere, and I'm not sure if I need to ask her if that toy chest lives there, because in it was this one, it's just weird. I guess it was the first picture I ever like drew and the first story I ever wrote. But yeah, it was like, write the story, illustrate it at nine. So it was the a picture of basically what would be my house and a story about a girl and a pool in the backyard. And lo and behold, I mean, it's almost like, did the story set the <laughs> dream in motion or the dream, you know, create the story? It's like weird. You know what I mean? Because it manifested itself later in life. I was going to say that. It was like, it's like manifestation magic. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, I just, I think that's the beauty, the wonder of writing. And uh, I come from a long line of writers. My great-grandmother was a writer and my great-aunt uh, is, was a writer, my grandmother, my mother. I mean, it's just, it's just in my blood, I think. And my mm -hmm. son, my 18 year old son, who just recently moved off to college, 
is a prolific writer. My 16 year old is developing his skills and Constantine has the best penmanship. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's, you just wonder if there's certain things that just come with what you come with. You know what I mean? I think so. Right. Words are powerful. And I think that when you have a type of power in your bloodline, really, you're going to see that come out in your children. I think so. I think you're right. Do the books need to be read in any particular order or are they standalone? They are standalone. Here's the, here's the deal. This is what I envision. So once I have a full-fledged series of books where I'm basically tapping into all the date-specific holidays around the calendar, that be obviously they would become date-specific actually a dream is to have a new year's day so that's going to be a, that's a mm. fun one but that's kind of off in in the future but yeah you would start with the first occurring holiday of the year and then you would obviously read them through through the end of the year to christmas but yeah no they are obviously you know just available people will be attracted to to each title given the seasonal value and and connection they have to whatever holiday they represent Included in each of them now will be a recipe that mm. I hope will be like for uh, October 31, the Halloween book. There's a, a recipe for soul cakes, which is a, it harkens back to the origins of Halloween uh, from the Middle Ages, pre-United United Kingdom. And the idea of, the, the idea behind soul cakes was, you know, so-called beggars would knock on a wealthy individual's door and they would beg for soul cakes which is where the idea of trick-or-treating I think kind of came mm -hmm. into being and um, the wealthy person would give the beggar the soul cake but in return they would ask for a prayer for their there's family members, relatives whose spirits have moved on and are no longer in the physical realm. So I thought that was an interesting inclusion to have in the book to make, you know, bring history to, you know, kind of a fun holiday you never think about, yeah. not nece you know, necessarily where this stuff comes from. And um, my birthday, I was just, I was just kind of remarking, I'm like, what is this behind Halloween in my connection to it. I mean, beyond Constantine, I'm like, as I'm writing this, I'm like, I was born on November 1st, which is All Saints Day. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother was in labor throughout all of the 31st Halloween, wow. but I waited to be born at, you know, the early morning hours. And I just wonder if there's some sort of interesting sort of backstory that I obviously wouldn't be aware of. Yeah. November 1st is Day of the Dead as well. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> but I love the flow of my birth. 11, 11, one. I love those ones. Mm, uh, you know, yeah. that's the numerology. I've, yep. I have no clue about numerology, but I like the, the, the balance of numbers, you know? Mm. And so your first book was February 14. Then this one is October 31. Will you have another book that comes out before December 25? No. So the next one will be, I'm crossing my fingers and hoping, well, yeah, hopefully, hopefully the next one will be July 4 for Independence okay. Day. I, with my illustrator, she's in India. So we have, sometimes we have some connection issues in terms of getting a product out 
expeditiously. Mm -hmm. So I have to kind of, I love her work and I love working with her. So, you know, I remain patient and try to Mm -hmm. like kind of incorporate her schedule (laughs) into how I, how I promote stuff. And I'm of the firm belief that things happen the way they're supposed to. And if you feel like you have the right connection with someone or you're working and you're working from an organic place that you're working from a a place of good and you're looking for good things to happen, then they will. And it, that if I remind myself of that, not to stress, because there are stressful, stressful moments like October 31 should have been the first book to be pr- produced. Mm. But because of delays and they were wrapped around COVID issues that it, we had to shelve that last mm. year and then bring February 14 on board. And unfortunately, that wasn't promoted as heftily as it needed to be. But it was kind of like at least we were able to get something out there. So that's what I'm proud of. So it's like trying not to get flustered or upset about things about a schedule change because there will be, especially in the creative world. It just, that's how people are. And especially when you're collaborating with other people, you have to take a step (laughs) back and just kind of just let it, let it flow the way it should be or what it's supposed to be. Yeah. All about acceptance, I think. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they are very educational. It's not just for fun, right? Exactly. So I am, I'm rehearsing. I have a couple of, actually a handful of, connected with a local pumpkin patch, which is a strawberry farm by, it's a historical uh, strawberry farm here in the Carlsbad area. I'm out in California. And on this time of the year, they switch over and they, they have this, plethora of pumpkins that they you know grow mm. beautiful part of the of, of the country and of california and uh, it's north san diego county just to pinpoint it for your listeners but it's, i've uh, they have this massive attraction uh haunted uh, corn mazes a uh, corn maze mm. uh without the without the theatrics uh tractor rides and they're the backside of the farm runs uh, along a lagoon, which is just beautiful, mm. and um, apple cannons. So it's just a whole attraction wow. area. Yeah. yeah. So I drove by on Sunday, and they have, I mean, it was just massive uh, attendance. So I'm going to be doing, I was invited to do uh, book reading there. So my presentation nice. will be on the educational side to start with. So we'll talk about what I really want to focus on is the idea of connecting the calendar and scheduling with children mm-hmm. as they're learning about their favorite holidays. I think when you can connect something that a kid loves with mm-hmm. something that's fundamental to their education and to their understanding of how life operates, mm-hmm. I think you, you know, you're on the right path. So the presentation begins with the idea of Halloween being uh, the last day of the month of October, October falls in the in the autumn, in the fall, and you talk about the weather, and obviously the weather's different in different parts of the country, but sort of similar this time of year. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely um, educationally based. Hoping that uh, we have a few libraries that are have jumped on board to offer the title, and uh, hopefully it moves on from there to classrooms. I had an author who came on the podcast talking about representation. Her books showed LGBTQ as simply normal relationships. She talked about how important it is to have books that young folk 
see themselves in. And I know that your books depict biracial and multiracial couples and kids. Did you have a special intention with your books in this regard? I did. I did. So I myself, I consider myself triracial. My triracial makeup would be Native American, European and African American. Uh, yeah, I say European because it's different strains. I have uh, English blood. I have Spanish blood. I have German blood. Mm. But And then we throw my children in the mix and Constantine specifically, since he's kind of the honorary uh, protagonist of the story. <laughs> um, uh, my husband is 100% uh, Greek-American, 100% Greek origin. And so my kids are half Greek. And I always said, <laughs> I always said I wanted to marry someone who was 100% something. So <laughs> my kids could say I'm half Greek and half you know, whatever my mom is. And I call myself a mutt. That might sound <laughs> derogatory to some people, but I'm fine with it. Yeah. So intentionally, I definitely wanted to include, and I think it's very important to include the concept of we're a planet that has multiple different types of people walking on it. And, yeah. you know, why not honor every sort of person that there is. I, I find yeah. that there's, you know, nothing wrong with that, obviously, because that's who I am. I'm mm. representative of lots of different things. You know, people will look at me and think they see a black woman. People will look at me and think they see an um, East and Asian Pacific woman. I mean, mm. it's just Hawaiian. I mean, it's just like, you take your pick. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's important. I mean, I, I think gone are the days where, you know, one drop of black blood makes you black. Not that I have anything at all opposed to that. I love celebrating my African American heritage, but that's mm -hmm. not all that makes me me. And yeah. I think it's very important to acknowledge everything that makes me me because my perspective in life comes from my multiracial background. Mm, and I yeah. think it's, it's, it's very important. And, you know, like I said, people have their own ideas. And if they think I need to like channel myself in one way, well, I guess what? <laughs> I have other thoughts in mind. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So no, I think it, and especially for younger kids. And I think there's a, there's a, a tide that's changing. I think kids are just fortunate in some respects to be born in this time where, things are a little bit different. I mean, but they're, I mean, it's not that everything's perfect. I have one, mm -hmm. my kids look all different. That's the other side of the coin. Like my oldest son looks more, people want to say maybe black African-American, mm -hmm. but you know, I see the mixtures in them as well. Yeah. My middle son looks more white and Constantine may look more Native American. I mean, it's really interesting that way, but, mm. and they're all a hundred, and that's the other thing I have to say. It's like, no, they're all a hundred percent blood related, you know, same mom, <laughs> same dad, no, yeah. And, and the experiences are for each of them has been kind of markedly different. Um, mm. My oldest son has dealt with racial, we live in a predominantly white uh, environment, and my oldest son has had to deal with, you know, different issues in terms of uh, racism or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's helped to shape him into a really strong individual, but it's unfortunate. And then my middle son has never had anything at all. Wow. And in fact, his hair has gotten curlier as he's gotten older, but he still, I guess, appears to be, you know, Caucasian mainly more mm -hmm. than anything, even though he looks a lot like my dad who did not look Caucasian, but that's another story. <laughs> And his, even to his curly hair, and, and they'll say, he'll say, well, look at my curly hair. You know, I am mixed. And he loves talking about his mixture. And they're like, mm. oh, that's a perm. And he's like, <laughs> no, it's not a perm. This is my hair. 
So it's just <laughs> racism, color, the color thing in this country is very interesting. Mm. It's going to take people like me, people like my kids and, and forward thinking yeah. people just no matter what their spectrum uh, to just say, hey, we're all people. That's Let's right. just work from there. Yeah. As a pagan witch, I have to ask you this. Do you mention Samhain at all in your book? Oh, my God. Should I know what Samhain is? Please explain. <laughs> I'm sorry. I knew I was going to. I felt like I might get into trouble here with Halloween. No, with no, witch. it's fine. Samhain, it's the way it's spelled. It looks like Samhain. Oh. But Samhain is the kind of pagan holiday that happens on October 31. Now that I just wrote that out. I have seen that somewhere. So explain that again. I'm sorry. So it is the pagan holiday that occurs mm -hmm. on October 31st. And oh, we yeah. feel like the veil gets thin and Samhain is a time when pagans and witches, we honor our ancestors. And a lot of the things that you talked about, like with the going souling and trick-or-treating, and I was going to ask you about jack-o'-lanterns and all that come from these Irish and other celebrations of Samhain. Um, wow. And so I just was wondering if that was mentioned at all. I didn't think that it would be, but I wanted to ask. Yeah, no, I didn't mention, but I have seen that word. I wonder, and the, the pronunciation, does that come from, is that like Celtic or? Irish mainly, yes. Irish, yeah. Oh, interesting. No, I don't, I don't mention that in the book, but should there be an update? down the road, I definitely will research that and include it. And I may be knocking on your door for, to interview you for, for more details. Okay. That's great. No, that's awesome. That's good to know. Also, jack-o'-lanterns are, of course, very popular this time of year. I love Constantine's jack-o'-lantern. And I love telling people about its original use, which is meant to scare unwanted spirits away from your home. They'd put the jack-o'-lanterns out to scare away the bad spirits. They'd put a candle or a light in their window to bring their family spirits home to them. The first ones were actually made from turnips, not pumpkins. Oh, interesting. But you talk about using pumpkins for jack-o'-lanterns in the book, correct? I do, but I did not touch on that part. But I did, you know, doing research, I remember reading about the candles, but mm -hmm. I didn't include anything. Those are great little tidbits that I'm going to have to incorporate down the road. <laughs> There's wow. so much information. I'm sure you, you, I mean, you can't put it all in no. one book. But I do, I do think it's really awesome that you have the jack-o'-lanterns in there. What's something that in your research you learned about Halloween that you maybe didn't know before that struck you as really interesting? Well, I mean, just straight down to the souling and the soul mm. cakes. When I, when, I, when I decided I was going to go delve into the history of Halloween, because I thought that, I don't know, something struck me. This book was actually already written. Remember I said there was a delay from last year, 2020. And then in throughout that time, I, you know, I, we jumped into the Valentine's Day book. And then after, after Valentine's Day, I had to refocus on the Halloween title again. And I'm like, you know what, Maria, you really need to add like some backstory, like history. So mm. that's when I, and I started finding things to, to research and review. I think because mm. the, the big part for me was letting kids have a brass text connection to why they do what they do on Halloween. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And it, that was, that struck me as like, wow, that is really interesting. And so when I discovered these things that I, I had the book written, I'm like, Maria, you got to go back. You need to go back and incorporate this <laughs> because I felt like, I felt like I'd be cheating the reader if I went into, you know, because the way the book is structured, we talk about the traditions and, mm. you know, the things you do every year. Well, why do you do those things every year? What is yeah. the purpose of that? And now I'm thinking, I know with the Valentine's Day book, I also don't have a history kind of, you know, backstory. So I'm thinking in terms of the, the must-haves in each title, definitely a recipe. Mm. Now I'm thinking it must have some history too. Mm. I love that. That, so I'm, I'm giving myself a lot more work, but I think it, it makes it more of a, you know what I mean? More of a comprehensive yeah. volume for, you yeah, know, yeah. if I want to make it more of an educational tool. I think even, even when you think about the trick-or-treating and putting on the costumes, costumes were used with a very specific notion during this whole time of disguising yourself from the spirits that were walking around so that you didn't want people or spirits to follow you home that weren't supposed to be at your home so when you'd go out you'd actually dress up like somebody else and that's where the whole idea of wearing costumes comes from so interesting and did i did i explore that no <laughs> but thank you for that i'm well, learning a lot something. of information yeah i know <laughs> no but those but again well you wear a costume why do you wear a costume mm -hmm. that's what should be in a story as well okay you're convincing me. Okay, <laughs> listeners, it's still a really good book. You still need to buy it. Okay, I missed a couple <laughs> of features about the history, but it's still right there. No, I seriously, that is really important stuff. I like that. I, I really, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like tap into your knowledge. I think <laughs> you can tell I've done quite a bit of research <laughs> into this. This is my favorite, favorite holiday. Samhain is my big. Oh, community wow. type holiday so I've taught classes on it I do rituals and parties and everything so it's my thing so you do so like on the day itself what do you are you do you have a, an event on this year I'm actually going to a wedding so I oh, have wow. fellow pagans who are getting married on Samhain and you have to come in costume so oh, I'm cool. still trying to figure that out last year we had a a safe outdoor party where uh -huh. I was doing uh, oracle card readings in one space outside and we had uh, different like little kid events and food and I had a ritual for Samhain because if, if you remember last year there was a full moon on Samhain on Halloween as well. Wow. So yes. it was a beautiful powerful time to be outdoors. So I usually do something like that but this year because of the wedding that's where I'll be going. Wow, that's so cool. Really neat. So I saw a witch on the cover. Are there any other witches in the book? I'm just curious. Yes, they are. They're on actually, I think two other pages oh, um, cool. outside of the cover. Yes, the, co the cover is actually taken from one of the interior illustrations, okay. a portion of it. So yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> I love it. And what's Constantine going to dress up for trick-or-treating this year? <laughs> he is going to be a werewolf. Ooh. He's been delighting me with his tales of werewolves like all year. <laughs> oh, wow. So I'm like, remember Constantine? <laughs> Halloween is October. <laughs> but yeah, no, we actually went to uh, one of our local 
spirit Halloween stores here mm -hmm. and got, I'm not sure how we're going to develop his costume, but we got a werewolf sort of mask and then mm. we'll work around it with the other. This is actually, he's growing up a little bit because the last handful of years, he's been like a superhero. So okay. we're kind of, it's kind of cute that he's getting a little bit more inventive in his selection. Yeah, that seems to occur with a lot of kids. They kind of skip at some point. They skip from superhero or gaming character to something a little more literary, I guess. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I love that. I do too. My son, one year, made him and my mother have made a ton of great costumes, but he did a Dalek from Doctor Who one year. That was amazing. Oh, nice. And my uh, youngest child did a vampire that was really incredible one year when when they were young that's so cool that they're is in their 20s makes... now oh <laughs> don't you miss that age i, I do just, i just found some pictures of constantine i used to create speaking of the educational the the things I used to do to kind of supplement his learning. I just found some pictures of him and they just, uh, and, and I posted them on like these large index cards because I think I probably mm -hmm. used them as, I used to write short words and phrases and flash them in front of him to get him familiar with language. And uh, I just saw a picture, like a handful of pictures of him when he was a toddler. And it just like, I just said to myself, it goes by so quickly. It's yeah. like, oh my God. I mean, you hear it and people tell you that and it's like, nah, well, you know, you're in the moment. You can't appreciate mm -hmm. it. But then when your son goes off to college, it's like it's staring <laughs> you in the face. I'm right. Like, not fair. Just not. I mean, it's, it is fair. I mean, I'm so happy that he's doing what he's doing. Exactly. But it's like you just. Bittersweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's cute. <laughs> Where's the best place for listeners to purchase books in this series? Yes, the best place would be Amazon.com. Okay. Perfection. And if you put in the search bar, either my name, Maria Felicia Kelly, spelled with an E-Y, or the title of the book, October 31, colon, the numbers 10 slash 31, it'll, it'll get you right to the purchase page. And it comes in three formats, Kindle version, hardcover, softcover. If you have a preference for Barnes and Noble, it's also available at Barnes and Noble. You can do the same sort of search and uh, get right to the book. It's actually everywhere. I've seen it on uh, Books a Million. Mm. Seen it at thrift bookstores, thrift shops. Oh, good. If you go into your, if you're a brick and mortar purchaser and prefer to support your local bookseller, which is always, you know, I mm -hmm. always encourage that. It can be ordered through that bookstore. Our distributor is Ingram. And Ingram is the main wholesaler slash distributor around the globe. So, and that's where all of your booksellers will, will tap into their order system to get the book for you, right? Oh, wonderful. Right at your wonderful. local establishment. So yeah, we're very proud of that. And we're proud of the Celebrate the Holidays um, series itself. Uh, we mm. will be moving on to offer calendars and other uh, items associated with the series to make it, uh, you know, more accessible and more useful as a learning tool, as, you know, a entertainment brand. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. And where do we keep up with what you're doing? Do you have social media that we can see when the next book comes out and just what you're doing? As yes. Far as yes. That? Please follow me on Instagram at one Maria Felicia. Instagram, Twitter, 
and Facebook. Uh, have a designated Facebook page. Uh, okay. For me as an author, at one Maria Felicia or author. I think it's author Maria Felicia on Facebook. But I'm there. You can find me. And uh, yeah, we, I'm actively involved with social media and posting. I've got a bunch of, uh, like I mentioned earlier, opportunities to present at uh, different five different uh, dates uh, at our Carlsbad Strawberry Company. Oh, that's amazing! And yeah. I will be at the local Barnes. Oh, thank you. I will also be at the local Barnes and Noble in Encinitas, California, on uh, the day before Halloween, on mm. the thirtieth, for our children's reading and book signing at eleven a.m. And on Halloween day, I will be at the historic Warwick's in La Jolla, California. It's a bookseller that's been uh, in business since the late 1800s, 125 mm. years. So this is kind of a, a feather in my cap, I'll have to say, to be able to participate in an author event at Warwick's. So I'm looking forward to that. That would be on Halloween 1031 from 2 to 4 p.m. if you happen to live in Southern California. Beautiful. Any final thoughts for us? I am very appreciative, very grateful for the opportunity to speak to your audience and very appreciative and grateful to you for having me as your guest. I love hearing more about the specifics of Halloween from your perspective. And I, like I said, I would love to be able to pick your brain down the road. <laughs> the journalist in me will We'll barrage you with a bunch of questions and uh, hopefully incorporate it in uh, updates for new uh, revisions of, of the title. But okay. just really just appreciate um, the opportunity and hope all the kids out there, all the parents with children have a fun and happy Halloween 2021. Well, Maria, thank you so much for coming and giving your time to tell me about this wonderful book series. And I just love everything that you're doing with that. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And as always, I would love to hear what our listeners think about this episode's topic. So if you go to the podcast website, you know what you can do. Comment right there on the episode with your thoughts, with your questions. You can even click that little microphone send me a voice message. I might just use it on a future episode. Take care and y'all be blessed. Thank you all for listening to Bell Book and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at Bell Book Candle SC. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Bell Book Candle.